Welcome to the Financial Flight Plan with Tim Estes and Bree Reyes. When it comes to your financial future, we believe the sky is the limit. We'll give you the proper tools to keep your engine <clears throat> portfolio running smoothly. Let us pilot the answers to some of your toughest financial issues. The Financial Flight Plan starts now. Welcome in to the Financial Flight Plan podcast. Alongside Bree Reyes, I am Ben George, and we're glad to have you on the podcast today as we learn more about Bree. Are you? I know we do a getting to know you question every episode, Bree, but today we're going to focus on your, a little bit about your background and just what exactly makes Bree tick. Oh my goodness! Okay, I'm I'm <laughs> hesitant. I'm nervous going into this one. This was one I. Uh, saw this topic and thought I could really, really skip that or I could be <laughs> brave and do it. And so I put on my big girl pants and we're going to do it. Awesome. Well, we're going to learn about some of the influences in Bree's life when it relates to, to money and finance and how she kind of got into the business and some of the things that frustrate her about being a certified financial planner and an investor coach at Estes Financial Services. So that'll be the plan today. How's everything going with Nate? Wonderful. Nate the Great as his classmates call him started pre-K, pre-kindergarten. Awesome. We're still at our school, but they are the biggest kids on campus. So now he is the big dog on campus. <laughs> um, and he got a job each week. The kids get jobs in the classroom. So this week, his job is the electrician, which means uh. I was like, oh, great. You're going to learn to rewire the house. No, it means that he turns the light switch on and off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when they all leave the classroom to go outside to the playground, he conserves electricity and turns the lights off. And when they all come back inside, he turns it on and then he turns it off for nap time again. So that is Nate's That's job funny. this week. And so far, he's doing apparently a really good job at school. I wish he would do a same job at home. I'm <laughs> still having to go behind him and turn the lights off all the time. That's great. How are you handling it? Thank you for asking. <laughs> okay. I am okay. I uh, Monday was a big day for me for work-wise, so I didn't have time to even focus on it. I took the pre, you know, the, the preschool, the photos, the photos holding the sign yeah, that every mom takes yeah. in front of the house. And then, well, actually, I did ours at, at the school because um, we were running a little late on time. And then I dropped him off and I didn't even have time to really take it in yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that in the comfort of my therapist's couch next week. <laughs> I'm sure there will be tears. My baby's growing up. Mm -hmm. It's got to be difficult, but it's great. I'm glad they, they have the nickname Nate the Great already at school. That's He's going to be doing okay, it, I think. It, it may be a self, and I mean, I'm not quite sure where it came from, but yeah. Either way, at least he's, uh, he's the electrician, the class electrician for now, and I'm looking forward to hearing about his new role and how that changes in class as they go. But congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, we love hearing about Nate and what he's up to. Let's jump into today's conversation again. It's about Brie. We're going to talk about uh, some things that, that influence her, learn more about her um, and how she got in this career and just kind of the path that she's taken along the way. We're going to put a, this episode up again at estesfinancial.net. So make sure you visit the website there. There's a lot of other resources that'll help you out with financial and retirement planning. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. So wherever you uh, like to interact with people, you'll find Estes Financial there. All right, Bree. So when I think about uh, money and, and wealth and, and, and how we look at it, I always think it's always about, a lot of times it's about who influences you. Many many people have an impact on our lives and the way we we deal with money. Who were those people in your life? And is there a lesson or two that you specifically remember learning? Oh, 
it's funny because I have four parents. That's not really a, a secret around here. I think we talk about it quite a bit. But Tim, my father, my business partner, and my dad is actually my stepdad. He came into my, my, my life later on. And so, and all four of my parents view money very differently, which was interesting to me as a child because my biological father is in Kansas oil and gas, which is not a steady income stream. You know, some years you make a ton of money, some years when oil's not doing so well, you don't make the same amount. And so I got different money lessons from my different parents. Um, but I think the one that stuck with me the most is I worked with dad. I worked in his office and he opened up a Roth IRA for me when I was a kid and was like, here, this is what you're contributing to. Taxes are killer. And so that was uh, that was a good life lesson there. The other one was when I got my first paycheck and I had figured out exactly to the nickel how much money I was going to have from that first paycheck and I got it. And then I learned about social security and taxes. And so I didn't get the full amount that I thought I was going to get later on. Then I had to sit down with mom and dad again and, and kind of learn, learn the ways of the working world. And so I like it. it. I was very, very fortunate though to have aunts and uncles and, and family that also taught me about the importance of spending and versus saving and spending and, and not um, and making sure that you're living an abundant life. And abundant doesn't necessarily mean spend, 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 have every toy you can think of. They always, everybody in my family always put a giant value on quality time together, experiences, but doing that responsibly, which I appreciate. Yeah. It's awesome to have some people in your life that can help you with that. And and it's a blessing to to be able to to learn from people in that respect, and it really helps you out. Is that is that why you ended up in the financial business, just having those those influences in your life, or was there another another reason for the decision? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I think was seeing what happened to my grandparents. Yeah. Um, I I think Dad's talked about this in the podcast before, but we were living out in the Bay Area. Uh, Dad was flying for American. Sorry if I I get choked up during this. When it comes to Grandpa Estes, I have a very, very, very soft spot for that man in my heart, and I miss him dearly. And so telling this story, Dad got a phone call. He got the worst phone call you can get um, from my grandparents, from his parents here. They were, they were in Houston. Grandpa was one of the hardest working people I've ever met. He was a house painter in Houston, Texas. So Houston's humidity is like 2,000% during the summer. It's right there on the Gulf. And so he would be running up and down ladders, painting houses. In the afternoon, he'd go back to the spot he started in the morning and it'd still be tacky. It'd still be wet because of the humidity and the heat and stuff. And he just, he'd worked incredibly hard. Uh, Hadn't gone to school, but it was an incredibly, incredibly hard worker and had earned every penny. And uh, grandma and grandpa had retired and they were traveling around the country in their motorhome. They still had their house in Houston. And it was great. I mean, they were living their retirement dreams. They weren't, they, they weren't lavish dreams, but they were, they were doing what they wanted to do. They were living that abundant life. And dad got this phone call that three quarters of their retirement, 75% or so, had been poof, Man. gone, gone because of an unsuited, suitable investment that some financial advisor had put them in. And it was so financially devastating. Mom and dad tried to help, but grandpa is part of that greatest generation. You know, World War II vet, proud, proud man. 
he didn't want to accept his help from his children. And they made it work. There was a mom and dad did have access to their checking accounts. So sometimes money would magically appear in that account and nobody talk about it. And it was just kind of a, an understood thing. But for the last 10 years of his life, grandpa was living in a rejected or used FEMA trailer. He wouldn't move in with my parents. He wouldn't let them help him get an apartment. He wouldn't let them help him get into assisted living or, or anything like that. He just, he wouldn't accept the help. And so when I was a student down at AM, I had I was dating somebody down in Houston. And so I would drive right past grandpa's on the weekends. And I would stop and I would check in on him. I'd leave some cash. I'd often take him grocery shopping where I would buy everything for him. And it broke my heart. And knowing that the financial advisor got away with it and there just had to be a better way. There had to be a better way. So I got into the business watching dad try to help people. And knowing where dad's passion came from because of having seen what happened to grandpa. So that was really, I mean, that's still to this day for every one of our clients. I, my position is what I, either, is this something that I would do for me? Is this something I would do for my parents? Is this something I would do for my grandparents? That's how I approach everything we do. And we have clients that's not the right fit for. We're too conservative for. Our thought process is not as aggressive as they want to be. And they're not the right fits for us either. But that's, that's how I approach business. And there is no nepotism here. I mean, I was fired the night before I graduated college um, from working for dad. I had worked on and off in the Estes office growing up and college and summers and stuff. And so I thought right after graduation, I'd probably come work back here. And dad said, absolutely not. You go and do you. You've got to set up your own career. This is not going to work for, for us. Because if you don't like this industry, if you get into it and really start doing it and you don't like it, I don't want to ruin Christmases, Easter's, family time. And at the time, it hurt my feelings. And I'm not going to lie. I, did, I got There was a lot of tears the night before I graduated college. <laughs> mm, but and in the end, it was the best thing for me because I started out at a wonderful firm. I met some partners over there that I had um, a very successful career with. And that I, I truly cared about and had some good experiences. But in the end, I wanted to figure out either how to merge the two firms or to, I wanted to work with dad. And leaving that, telling my partner at the time that I wanted to leave that firm and get my equity back out and come home or, or merge the firms was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And unfortunately, it, it wasn't an easy conversation, but it was something that we did. And I'm still dealing with the repercussions of that. But I am so happy to be home. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's obviously very deep, but I think it's important because it kind of shows um, you know, who you are, what type of person you are, what type of, of a certified financial planner you are, right? What your goals are, what your, the reason behind what you do. And I think that's important to share with people, even if it is difficult. I mean, it's important to, for people to know why you're in this business. Yeah. And I mean, I, there's a picture of grandpa in my office, my wedding of grandpa, dad and I, and I look at it every day because he's the reason we do what we do here. He's the reason I got into the business. And, you know, I just, I don't want people to be in the situation that they were in that my, my grandparents found themselves in. 
Right. No question. Well, now that you've been in the business for, for a little while now and uh, have quite a bit of experience here. A, l- a little while. <laughs> I like how 16 years is a little while. <laughs> it's all, it's all perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you do have a, a lot of experience. I know you've worked with a lot of people now within the industry. So influence-wise, the people that you're working around and working with now in the financial industry, who's been a good influence on you at this point? I'd say dad always. Yeah. Um, and I know he's going to listen to this. Actually, I don't, I think, I know mom will listen to this and she'll make him listen. Dad is my biggest mentor, has always been a, a good mentor to a lot of different people, not just me, but is always, and also one of my best friends. I love him dearly. And I've learned a lot from him. I have worked with other partners at my, the previous firm that I was a co-owner in, and that I learned from them as well. Good things and bad things, but I learned from them as well. And they probably have made me who I am today. Even those bad experiences have made me a lot stronger. It's interesting because being a woman in the industry, there's not a lot of us. It's very much still a boys game. It's very much still a male-dominated industry, especially when I started at Raymond James. I would go to these Raymond James conferences and I'd count the number of women that were there on one hand. And everybody would want to go out at night because that was fun to them. And I was just, I was like the little lady. I was like, can we get back to our room? I just want to watch TV, have a bubble bath and go to bed. Like, <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not the one that you want to go party with with these things. But now I have, a, I've developed a really good support system of other women CFPs, other women certified divorce financial analysts that we have a mastermind once a month and we can talk about either stuff we're dealing with in the industries or just life or just being a business owner and just the markets and stuff. And and it's really fun because that isn't encouraged often at all. It's usually, you know, you view everybody else as your competition. And so having some really good mentors, having some really good financial advisors that I've met along the way, business coaches that I've had, that we have that are just great, wonderful people. I'm lucky. I'm really, really lucky. Yeah, no question. It's great to have your dad around all the time to 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 work with and to learn from and and uh, and partner with. That's awesome. All right, let's let's talk specifically about about the job you do uh, for for a few minutes before we uh, change gears here on the show. If you could get a magic wand and you could wave it and just get rid of the biggest frustration that you have working as a certified financial planner with, with the people that you see day in, day out, what would it be? Denial. 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 People do not want to focus on or don't want to accept how much spending they have, how they're, what they've done savings-wise. People want magic. They want to be able to walk in here with $10 and need to make it $10 million. And that's, that's not really, or they don't want to focus. And I get it. Budgeting is, budget is a bad word to most people. It's not a lot of fun. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the one, I'm not out here like, I love budgets and spreadsheets. So, hmm. you know, don't get me wrong here. I'm not, I'm not a great budgeter in my own life. But if we aren't paying attention and if we aren't putting money away, it's not going to be there later on. And so we've just, t- being realistic and viewing the world around you is important. It's very, very important. And so that's where I want to, that would be something I'd want, is I'd want everyone to be able to accept reality 
without getting mad at me because I can't fix everything. I am not a magician. I am not. I cannot make money happen or magic. That's what I would teach. Okay, fair enough. For the good or the bad. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's good and people can't see the good either. Right. Well, I have a pretty good idea of how you're going to answer this last question. Um, Just kind of judging uh, based on some of the answers you've provided already. But what is the most gratifying part of the job that that you do on a day-to-day basis? Helping people live out their abundant life. I mean, helping people retire with the family they want to be around and the things they want to do and and helping them get that sleep factor. You know, educating the three C's, confidence, comfort, and control. Making sure that they have the confidence to make the financial decisions they want to make. Comfort in knowing how long their money is going to last and control in that everyone getting to keep a little bit of control and in that making sure that they know they're in charge. They're in charge of their financial destiny. And that's a big, really good feeling knowing that, you know, you're doing this. Now you're doing it with the help of a certified financial planner. So you're not doing it all alone. And that's also gives some comfort to people because trying to figure out how to turn what they have accumulated into an income stream and be aware of taxes and be aware of inflation is not a hobby. Hmm. And the people that do it as a hobby are going to get themselves bit in the butt. It's not a hobby. So, but I love working with people. I love walking out of client meetings and getting a good pat on the back or a, hey, Brie, I feel much better or just a, you know, just that having a really, really good meeting. Unfortunately, sometimes that can be because of what I do is so there's not a tangible product at the end of it, you know, so there's no, I don't build a widget. Sometimes it feel, it can feel a little unfinished. So when I get those, those messages of, you know, Hey, you're doing a really good job or I feel better working with you. That gives me everything. Awesome. Very cool, Bree. I appreciate you sharing. I know uh, you were a little, little uncertain coming into the episode, but you did a great job and, and I do appreciate kind of hearing the background and how you got into it. I know you probably shared some of these stories before on the podcast as we've moved along, but it's always great to kind of put them into one place and, and, and hear them all again. So thanks for that. Ah, thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about it. And thank you for being patient with me while I welled up in tears a little bit there. <laughs> I mean, but, and, and the thing is, one of the things we had to focus on with grandpa and one of the things we always talk about was taxes. And the reason being is taxes took such a huge chunk out of the nest egg that we were able, dad was able to save for him and, and be able to build from the ashes of what was left. So it's, that's part of the reason we focus so much on taxes and inflation here is there are areas of the financial plan that I find that most people either choose to underestimate because they don't want to think that it's that bad, especially a ticking tax time bomb. Qualified funds, those 401ks, TSPs, IRAs, people just, oh, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And the problem is they've been fed that lie by the industry for years and years and years. And it's so much easier to think that way. Mm-hmm. That's not the way I'm seeing things happen. Remember that magic wand of being the agent of reality here. That's not the way it's working for people. And so that's why having our tax toolkit or retirement toolkit that talks about taxes is so, so important because. It's an area that I see people just kind of wish wasn't there. (laughs) And I get it. Talking about taxes or thinking about taxes or acknowledging the fact that your 
traditional TSP, traditional 401k, IRA, you know, qualified money that's never been taxed. The idea of knowing that 60% of that, 40% of that, 50% of that, I don't know the exact percentage. It depends on your situation, but a good chunk of that is not actually yours. Belongs to the IRS. They just haven't claimed it yet. Is a hard thing for people to understand. But I earned that money. Yes, you did. Yep. And that's why we've put this the tax toolkit together or our retirement toolkit together because of the fact that we want people to start seeing the truth and understanding what it is and how taxes can play a giant role in your retirement. And so that's, you know, we I love our toolkit because of the way it focuses on those things. And I love the fact that we've put one together specifically for federal employees because they have sometime an even bigger challenge. But in order to get that, in order to get the book and the special reports, all you have to do, it's super easy. We've made it as easy as I can is reach out to us. Give me, shoot me an email, brie.reyes, R-E-Y-E-S, at estesfinancial.net or info, I-N-F-O, at estesfinancial.net and say, send me the toolkit and give us your name and your address or your, and your email address and we'll get one out to you. And a lot of people have gotten it and I get a lot of really positive feedback on it. So I want to make sure we get it out to you too. Definitely. Thanks for that offer as well. Take advantage of that if you have it already. All right, time to get to know Bree Reyes away from work a little bit. Today's question for the show is, what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Ooh, I love a good burger. Yeah. I love a good burger. But let's see if I had to pick one. You're saying I have to pick one fast food. Got to pick one. Um <laughs> so I'm going to go the classic McDonald's. Okay. Thought you might say Whataburger. I you know what? Oh, yeah. Whataburger too. Right now it is Whataburger because they have a fabulous burger out right now, but um there's something about McDonald's fries. They they went yeah. on fries hands down every time. Yeah, they did. So the burger, if I if I could pick my fast food meal, <laughs> my dream fast food meal, it's a burger from Waterburger, fries from McDonald's, and a Wendy's uh Frosty. Frosty. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Does can you classify a place like Torchy's Tacos as a fast food place? Does do y'all call that fast food down there? <laughs> God, I love me some torches. I do too. You know, the reason I don't think of it as fast food is there's no drive through to most of our torches. That's true. That's They're a, a go-in, sit-down place. Otherwise, I would have said Freebirds. Freebirds, okay. hands down, is one of my favorite burrito places. Mm. And I don't know if they're outside of Texas at all, but they were big, heavy in College Station when I was down there. And they still, they're still my number one, like. My husband looks at me and goes, so you want a burrito? And yeah, three words. <laughs> like there's nothing. I, I don't know Chipotle exists. In my world, it doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. Why, there's three birds and nothing else. So, uh, yeah. Well, that sounds amazing. I'm getting hungry. Let's go ahead and finish up this episode. I got to get some lunch. Sure. Let's, All get, right. let's get some lunch. <laughs> we got a question from Holly. Uh, this question came in. She's in Arlington. She wrote you, Bree. She said, my neighbor retired two years ago and has decided that he needs to go back to work because money is too tight. I just retired last month and I think we're fine, but now I'm a little worried the same thing might happen to me. How can I make sure I don't have to go back to work? Get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Call a professional. Get a, and get a third party to kind of take a look at it. I know it can be scary, especially when you've got people around you that have maybe made poor financial decisions that aren't, are having to go back to work, but everybody's circumstances is different. 
all you know about your neighbor is money's tight and he's going back to work. You don't know if, or she, your neighbor, you don't know if they maybe have giant gambling debt or if there's a reason maybe they have to, a lot of really high interest tre- credit card debt or something along those lines that maybe is not your case. So I'd highly recommend you call a CFP and get a second opinion. Get Talk to somebody who works in retirement day in and day out. And the reason I specifically say CFP is that I find a lot of financial advisors really are not knowledgeable about all of the distribution strategies for retirement. Um, so that's what I would do. I'd call a CFP, Holly, and sit down and kind of talk with them and go over it and just just get a professional's opinion on it. Yeah, that's always the, the best place to start um, if you have any questions or, un, or unsure about things. That's always uh, where you want to begin things. So thanks for that question, Holly. Again, send it in question to us via the website, estesfinancial.net. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see a form you can fill out. You can also request that ticking tech tax time bomb toolkit. It always trips me up through the website as well. If you prefer to do that, either way, check them out. There's plenty of resources there, but you can also find SS financial on Facebook, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And you can call the office, call Bree directly or her father, Tim, 817-444-8402. Bree, you've, uh, you've been very open and honest with us today and we greatly appreciate it. Well, everybody listening, go out and lead an abundant life.